This morning we want to uh, meditate from the book of Genesis. A few weeks back I started to you know, look into the lives of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and it's been a continuing journey and so I thought I will um, just share what I was learning from the word of God. So first we will have some, how many of us like Bible quiz? <laughs> Going back to Sunday school. Of course, we are all children in the presence of God, and so this, um, we can relive our Sunday school days. Okay, the, the first and the easiest question, how old was Noah when the floods came? Anybody? This is not a closed book test. Uh, you can open and refer your Bibles. <laughs> Genesis chapter 6 is where the description of the floods are given. Anybody's got it? Five hundred? Chapter 7 and verse 6. Noah was 600 years old. There was, I mean, uh, Joshua said, fine, it's a small difference because they lived long. So 100 years is not much at that time. <laughs> oh. Okay. And when they came out and um, when they began to settle down after they came out of the boat, Noah was 602 years old. And his son, uh, he had three sons, Shem, Haman, Japheth. And uh, Shem was how many years old when they came out? Any idea? It is going to be tough. Chapter 11 and verse 10 says, Shem was 100 years old. And uh, that's when he gave birth to his firstborn. Because uh, Noah and his children, they were prevented from having any children on the boat. So they had to wait till they came out of the boat, out of the ark. And uh, Shem was 100 years old. And I did some calculations. It's not wrong to do calculations in the Bible. When Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of Aphasak. Uh, chapter 11 and verse 11. Shem lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. Then his son, Hafak said, had lived 35 years and he became the father of Selah. And after he had become the father of Selah, and then he lived for many years. And then if you go one by one, the genealogy of uh, Shem, what I found out was, Shem was still alive when Isaac was born. This man was the only man from the pre-flood times, I think, was there to live the longest and see his generations to come. And uh, Shem was 490 years when Isaac was born. And he was 550 50 years when Esau and Jacob were born, can you believe that? Shem was still alive. The man from the pre-flood days being alive to see Jacob and Esau being born. And the Bible also records that Esau got married when he was 40 years old. So again, if you add it up, Shem was alive to attend the wedding of Esau. And he was... 590 years old and 10 years later he died so this is about Shem just to see how we can you know do some calculations in the Bible and see who lived when how long they were living and you know 
what are the events that happen so this morning talking about abraham isaac and jacob these men were men who received great promises from god and so i'm going to list out we have number of uh, bible verses to turn to this morning so you can you know do some exercise on your wrist and your neck i think where is easy oh easy is here so in case you have a sprained wrist easy can help you with that oh great <laughs> and put it in the offering bag <laughs> so is this a good one if you do this every morning before you read your bible you can read much more than you normally read okay <clears throat> i might have a hundred references this morning so be quick to turn and whoever gets it first can read it like how we we used to do when we were small kids in the church as he and stephen we were all part of the same church where we grew up and we will be fighting to read who's going to read first okay the first verse genesis chapter 12 so it's all from genesis so if i say 12 2 12 3 it's all from genesis 12 Yes so this is the first time when God says to your offspring I'll give this land at the time um, abraham and isaac uh, sorry abraham and sarah they did not have any, have any children so this was a promise promises for a future time so god said that your offspring will dwell in this land i will give this land to your offspring when they hadn't had any children <clears throat> but later uh, sarah abraham and sarah how old were they when isaac was born Abraham was 100 Sarah was 90 90 years old so how long was she barren she was barren for 90 years okay uh what some more promises given to Abraham chapter 13 verse 14 to 17 So this is the second promise about the offspring. He is not at become Abraham, he is still Abraham. Isaac has not in not at been born, but still the promises keep coming to Abraham. And 15 verse 1 and then 4 to 5. amen so this promise is just it keeps on expanding so beautiful first he says your offspring uh, i'll give this land to your offspring that is the place where uh, the land of canaan that's where abraham was and then uh, in the previous verse after lot and abraham and lot had separated he says that lift up your eyes and see north south east west so much so many offspring he'll um, if you can count the dust of the earth it's going to be so big and the third thing that we read now in verse 7 god is even he the earth is not enough to count abraham's offering that god has gone to explain about the heavens that's what it says he look up at the heavens count the stars we need you can count them then he said to him so shall your offspring be see the amazing promises of god 
it's just expanding and that's how it's it, it is in our lives too every one of us have received a promise from god and every promise in the word of god applies to every one of us and so there's innumerable amount of promises and it's so big and it's expanding and but in the spite of all these promises how was sarah and abraham they didn't have a child yet and it, sarah was barren that's what the word of god says in uh, uh, 21 and verse 1 Yes so if god has promised something in our lives it will be fulfilled there is no no way no nothing can stop the promise of god that is set for us and even in the midst of the barrenness abraham still was holding on to the promises sometimes it can become so difficult for us lord is this going to come true is will this ever happen to me so many questions will be will be you know raised in our hearts and we'll be discussing other family members what is this happening you know we are trusting in god so much god's promises are there so many prophecies has come but still nothing seems to be happening but god is waiting for his time and in his time he will make everything beautiful and so this was not the condition just with abraham if you turn to uh, 22 chapter 22 verse Mm, I'm sorry. Uh, 25 verse 21. See the case of Isaac, Abraham's son Isaac. Genesis chapter 25 and verse 21. Yeah. So here we see Isaac's wife Rebekah. She is also barren. if we saw abraham sarah was barren for 90 and here we see isaac and his wife rebecca and she was also barren but if you see the amazing promises that are been made about isaac we'll wonder why god is dealing with them in this way if you go to the place where abraham is tested and he was asked to offer isaac his firstborn son chapter 22 and verse um 16 onwards 15 Yes so who was listening to this promise Isaac Isaac was there to be offered a sacrifice and God uh, prevented uh, Abraham from uh, sacrificing his son he sent an angel and God told uh, Abraham do not lay a hand on the boy and then again the second time the angel appeared that's what it says in verse 15 the angel of the lord called to abraham from heaven a second time while they were there on on the mountain uh, god sends an angel the second time to tell abraham that he is going to bless isaac and isaac's descendants and isaac was there listening to everything he was not a small baby why he was not a small baby yeah he questioned abraham about the sacrifice he said we got everything ready but where is the lamb so he was uh, quite he might have been a youth or a teenager or maybe something like that and here we see that you know isaac is hearing the angel of the lord and he knows that his offspring is going to be blessed but what is happening on the other hand after isaac is married to rebecca he was married when he was 40 years old Isaac was married to Rebekah when he was 40 years old and for 20 years uh Rebekah was barren. Uh if you read in uh, the same chapter Genesis 25 and uh, 25 and 26 
Yeah, so they got married at 40 and they were waiting for 20 years. In, he knew the promises, but still he had to wait. And God had a plan for that. And now, going on. So Isaac uh, gave birth, Isaac and Rebekah, they gave birth to Esau and Jacob. And they grow up and Jacob separates from his brother. He goes to his uncle's place and he gets married. Genesis chapter 29 and uh, 16. Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. So uh, Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, and uh, but he never knew the custom of the land until he got married. And he got up the next morning. He saw that he, he got married to the wrong person. So Laban gave her his first child, Leah, to him. And for which, how many years did he have to, he had to work for that? Seven years. That was terrible times. Praise God that we don't have that custom here. <laughs> so seven years he worked for Leah. And then, uh, sorry, for Rachel. And then he was given Leah. And then what happened after that? Yeah, that's right. Normally we think he worked for another seven years. Praise God. God did not allow that to happen. After one week, after he finished his bridal week with Leah, he was given Rachel. And then he had to work. That was not exempted. So he worked for another seven years to uh, fulfill her time. So that's how it was all happening. And imagine Isaac would have spoken about his experience to... Uh, Jacob and Esau and how you know uh, God told my father to go and sacrifice me on the mountain and at the moment when my dad was about to slice me into two the angel stopped my dad and then another and and the second angel appeared and he gave a promise of you know the offsprings being blessed and all that he would have spoken about to his children Esau and Jacob so Jacob is thinking okay I'm going. I'm married, Leah and Rachel. I'm going to have children. Of course, he had. But uh, go to verse uh, thirty-one, chapter twenty-nine, verse thirty-one. Yes, again, history repeats itself. They say, and this was the continuing thing was happening here. Abraham and Sarah they wait waited for ninety years. Sarah was barren for ninety years. Isaac and Rebekah, Rebekah was barren for 20 years. And now coming to Jacob again, same thing is continuing. But Rachel was barren. But God's promises will never fail. And that's what they remembered. They didn't worry about the barrenness. Barrenness will come. But the promises of God will supersede every barrenness that is there in our lives. So always remember the promise. I was excited when... Uh, Sylvia sharing during the worship how often we blow up our problems so big and you know it becomes so overwhelming that you know we forget the promises which God has made to us and to our families but when we subdue that with the word of God and what God has promised for us we will see the change that is coming in our lives they were not barren all the time they, at one point God had a purpose for that and it began to be fulfilled and going on, uh, not only the barrenness, they had some other challenges, struggles. Even though God's promise was like, I'll give you a land with milk and honey and you know, you'll expand so much, look to the north, south, east, west and everything. <clears throat> we see in <clears throat> Abraham's life, there came a famine. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10. Yes, but what did God tell Abraham initially? Leave your father's place. Chapter 12 and verse 1. Leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And now what happens? That is the promise. But what is happening here? Famine. And Abraham had to leave that place and he had to go in search of food. 
for his survival so there was a problem of survival <clears throat> so many times even in our lives we go through some phases where you know there seem to be a famine maybe not food shortage but there's some lack that is you know kind of choking us and we are unable to you know be free in our minds so they're wondering how we are going to live <clears throat> if the basic need of our lives is going to be cut off or if we are going through some financial problems or debt how are we going to survive how are we going to come out out of this so it's a maybe there are many things which are a big question mark in our lives like how abraham had there was a famine in the land and he had to move from that place and so he moved and <clears throat> that's about abraham now going to isaac's story see what he experienced that is in isa uh, genesis chapter 26 and verse 1 Yes. See how it is. Promises of God are there for Isaac that he will possess the land, he will be flourishing and all that, but the famine has come. In spite of the promises what God has given us, the promise doesn't mean that, you know, everything is going to be, you know, a bed of roses and no challenges at all. That's what we think and we feel that if it's like that how good it will be but god has a purpose in bringing about certain things in our lives that is going to draw us closer to him and so in isaac's time there was a famine similar to the famine of abraham's time so that's about isaac and about jacob did jacob go through a time of famine yes and when was that sorry yeah yeah he worked there <clears throat> and la- uh, this famine was little later on chapter 41 and verse 56 and 57 yes so this famine was not in a particular place this famine was all over the world the whole world suffered famine even egypt suffered famine but because god had appointed joseph in egypt he uh, you know uh, whatever surplus was there during the first 7 years he accumulated that uh, them and put them in storehouses because god had a purpose see even the famine there is a purpose so nothing is in vain even when you go through tough times god has got a purpose in that verse uh, chapter 42 and verse 1 and 2 yes so jacob faced a famine in his life and he went to egypt so abraham isaac and jacob they faced similar issues there were barrenness there was famine and and the third thing that we i'd like to share with you is uh genesis chapter 12 and verse 8 oh i'm sorry uh sorry about that i uh, yeah this is um 12 12 twelve twelve sorry when the Egyptians see you Genesis chapter 12 and verse 12 yes this is a fear a sudden fear Abraham never faced this kind of a fear but now since he has moved place because of the famine he is wondering whether he will be able to survive and whether the people of that land will kill him on account of his wife so there was a threat on his life he felt um, i cannot i cannot live possibly i might be killed that was the condition of abraham 
so these are the some of the things that we might be going through some sometimes you know some kind of an un- unexplained fear will come and think oh will i live will i die will i survive how long am i going to live uh, all these kinds of questions might you know pop up in our lives at times but the promise of god is there for you for every one of us and so we will not die but we will we will live yes so abraham faced this kind of a problem a threat for his own life and not only abraham again isaac coming to isaac the similarities between these three people abraham isaac and jacob are so amazing isaac had a similar problem uh chapter 26 and verse 7 See, again there's a there's a life threatening problem isaac thought that he might get killed abraham had that problem isaac had that problem and not only them jacob also had a similar problem uh yeah this is in uh, I, uh genesis chapter 20, 32 32 this was not a threat from some uh, some outsider or from some king or ruler but his own brother he was afraid of his brother <clears throat> chapter 32 and verse 6 and 7 Verse 8 also. So in all these three incidences with regard to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, they had a perceived fear. They thought that, you know, something is going to come and attack me. And, but on the other hand, it never happened. It never happened. He, they were never attacked. but they had a perceived fear they had an apprehension or oh, something is going to happen something terrible is going to come and attack us and that was the fear that was gripping their hearts but god's promises are faithful are true that god spoke to all three of them and another place it says that laban also wanted to attack uh, jacob but god uh, spoke to him and uh, god uh, protected uh, Jacob <clears throat> I'll just show that to you in a minute uh, 29 Yes So in all the three cases <clears throat> when there was a threat God intervened God spoke to during Abraham's time if you go back <clears throat> chapter 20 god gave a dream to abimelech god told him in a dream verse 6 yes yes so uh abimelech was warned in a dream and he couldn't do any harm to abraham and uh, coming to isaac um there also god protected him it doesn't say directly that god intervened uh but god protected him from uh losing his life and here in uh, the case of jacob uh, god again spoke to laban <laughs> and told him don't uh, touch jacob so sometimes when we think that you know uh, th- we have some enemies and these people are going to come and attack us but when we rely on the promise of god god is going to speak to them and say don't even think of you know harming my child so that's the kind of protection that we have we might be thinking how we can guard ourselves how we can you know these guys 
Abraham Isaac and uh, Abraham and Isaac they said you know she's not my wife they had to even disown their wives and say sister and all that but what did God do God spoke to the enemies and told them don't touch them and same way when Esau uh, came God changed the situation Abraham Jacob was so distressed and he prayed and God uh, spoke to Esau of course it's not uh, directly recorded here but Esau came peacefully to him there was no uh, confrontation chapter 33 and uh, from 4 yeah we can read the fourth verse yeah so see how the situation has changed jacob was so afraid and when the when he heard that esau is coming with 400 men he thought he's finished and he's going to be uh, completely destroyed but god has definitely spoken in esau's heart even though he had an intention of killing jacob at an earlier point of time but now he see the change in his um, you know his his personality he runs to jacob and he embraces him and he kisses him so that is how it's going to turn around you know, we might be afraid of so many things thinking how this is going to happen i'm going to be finished uh, people are going to come and attack me they're going to slander me and so many things but god is going to turn everything around because his promises are faithful he will never um allow his any of his promises to fail that's what we read in joshua in one place it says all the good promises that god had made joshua had come to pass not one of them ever failed but the thing what these people did uh is also something that we need to see and follow abraham isaac and jacob they were faithful to god they were faithful to god they had their mistakes they had their shortcomings but still they were faithful to look to god for everything okay so abraham was a man who built altars to the lord wherever we went he went if something happened there immediately he put some stones together and he built an altar and he worshiped the lord okay we're going to see uh, about that now uh, genesis chapter 12 and verse 8 yes so that was the first altar he built and then um, chapter 13 and verse 18 Yes. So he's a man who builds altars. Whenever something happened, he separated from Lot, immediately he built an altar and he called on the name of the Lord. That was his lifestyle. And that was what even Isaac did. Uh Genesis chapter 26 and verse 25. Isaac built an Yes from verse uh, 20 uh, verse 24 he has an encounter with God the, that night uh, it says uh, if you want to have background of the story uh, there he he has a threat for his life from Abimelech then he comes out of him and then he moved away from there and then he reopened the wells uh, and then there was some quarreling and then fresh water started coming he st- he called it Rehoboth and all that and and that night the Lord appeared to Isaac and spoke to him verse 24 that night the lord appeared to him and said i am the god of your father abraham do not be afraid for i am with you i will bless you and increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant abraham when he had an encounter with god immediately he built an altar there and he worshiped god so these people they had constantly they were in a close connection close walk with god see the number of times god speaks to abraham and one place it says god speaks to abraham like like a friend and here isaac has an encounter with god and uh, the same thing with jacob yeah uh, genesis chapter 28 and verse 
I'm sorry. I think it's in 32, 32 years. Chapter 32 and verse 1. Yes. Two. Yes. So there uh, Jacob met God before he went to meet uh, Esau. 28, 18 and 19. Yes. Uh, yes. Hmm. Yes. Uh, if we read from Genesis chapter 28, if we read from verse 11, Onwards up to 18, that'll be good. Yeah, so he came to a certain place and stayed for all night near the sun and said, And he took one of the stones from that place that he came and put it at his head and lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up in the earth, which stuck to the heaven, and from the earth of God had ascended and descended on it. Then he looked on one foot of the Yes, yes, praise God. So, this is an amazing encounter, one of the very powerful encounters that Jacob had with God. And Abraham, I mean, Jacob knew that his father and grandfather, they built altars. And so, he also had that practice. Abraham put some stones together. He, you know, made an altar and God spoke to him over there. This man, he put some stones together and he slept. You know, if you read that, he forgot about the altar. Verse 11, he stopped for the night. Son has said, taking the stones, he put it under his head and he slept. But even though he slept, God was still mindful of him. And even though he was sleeping soundly, there was an encounter with God. He saw, and he, where he was sleeping, he was sleeping at the gate of heaven. Isn't it? Read it in uh, 16 and 17. Yes. So he had an awesome experience there. So there he built an altar to God and he made a vow also in the in the verses um, later in 20 he made a vow and then he uh, verse 22 and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all of uh, and of all that you give me I'll give you a tenth. So this practice, if we have the practice of worshipping God, of setting up an altar, what is an altar? Those days they put stones together. What can we do now? Yeah, we can family altar, yes. We need to have an altar for ourselves individually, personally. And also as a family together, we need to sit around and pray. And that's our family altar. And that's where God comes and he descends down and he speaks to us and whatever be the situations we are going through that's the point where he will answer our uh, needs he will show us way he'll show us the direction how we should go every friday uh, morning we all meet together as a family here and we pray together that's a family altar 
and many of the you know situations we have gone through very tough situations in business in ministry we have brought it to the lord and so amazingly god had revealed his plan and purposes and shown us how to take decisions in life so having this altar experience is very important for every one of us both individually and also as a family collectively so jacob's experience is so amazing he has learned it from his grandfather and father and the amazing thing is it's getting passed on if we do something like this if we have this practice of family prayer every day and if we have the practice of family altar that is going to be influencing our children and they're going to follow that when they become older when they become families they're going to do that and see what happens uh, to jacob's family i'll i'll show you that uh genesis chapter Yes. See, Jacob is not uh, I mean not not only that he is building an altar by himself during those times when he was alone before he met Esau when before he crossed the uh you know the river uh, Jabbok when he had a time of wrestling with God all alone. But now see here he calls his household God gathers everybody his family his children uh, his servants maid servants men servants and see the instruction he gives him get rid of all the foreign gods you have with you because many people have come and joined him not only his family but his men servants maid servants who have been you know joining him wherever he was going on going through even those people need to be uh, cleansed so if we still retain some of the old habits old practices old way of life that is not going to be a blessing for us and that's going to be a hindrance for our promises but here he says clearly to his household get rid of all the foreign gods you have with you purify yourselves and change your clothes then come let's go up to bethel where i will build an altar to god who answered me in the day of my distress who has been with me wherever i have gone see god is he knew that god was with him all the time because he was constantly building altars wherever he went so through life's journey if we are going to be steadfast in seeking the lord and having our altar in shape you know god is going to uh, be with us in spite of the challenges that doesn't mean that we will never face challenges they had barrenness they had famine they had threat for their lives and all these things were happening on one side but the promise of god was upon them and they were faithful to follow him even through all these tough times and see then what happens in verse 5 then they set out and the terror of god fell upon the towns all around them so that no one pursued them so this we cannot do we cannot uh, you know use our strength to protect ourselves so but when we follow god when we are righteous when you are holy getting rid of all the unnecessary things that come and hinder our blessings the strength and the power of god will be with us the fear of god will fall upon the people who are around us and no one will dare pursue us yes so uh, how is our altar today if you want to think for a while and see uh, do i have a personal altar do i pray in the morning in the evening or night time whenever uh, i find um, a good time to pray are we doing that do we have an altar in our lives and what about our families maybe not all of them maybe in some of our family members may not be saved may not you know follow uh, jesus but still we can pray for them but what about the our families where everybody is a believer are we able to gather together every day and have a family altar pray together it's time to check whether our family altar is in place or it 
is it in ruins if you see the you know the kings and the different kings of judah and israel many of them were very um, ungodly kings they they shut up the temple they locked the doors of the temple and such was a miserable state and they were losing their battles everywhere all around but there was one man i'd like to just refer for a minute his name is hezekiah second chronicles and chapter 29 i'll give a brief um gist of what this whole chapter says but we'll read verse 3 yes so that means if when it says he opened the doors of the temple obviously the doors were shut and locked by his father his father was king ahaz and if you see hezekiah was just 25 years old he was not a old mature man but he was a young man 25 years old and that's the first thing he did because in we read in 3 verse 3 in the first month or the first year of his reign immediately the first thing that he ever undertook when he became a king was to go and open the temple doors and imagine you know for 25 years he's seen his father uh, you know in ungodly ways but he i don't know what kind of sunday school he went to they taught him <laughs> don't be like your father i think that's what they would have told him so i mean he's having some kind of an input for the last for the you know for the 25 years i mean from his birth it it talks about his mother's name his mother was abija son of daughter of zechariah we don't know which zechariah this this is but i mean whoever it is maybe his mother gave him some spiritual input or we don't know from where he got this but that was the first thing he did obviously he was even he might have been reading the history how is father and the previous his grandfather his grandfather was jotham uh chapter 27 and verse 1 and 2 yeah so this is grandfather jotham jotham was upright he walked according to the word of god he he had the fear of god in his heart and but his son ahas was the complete opposite of him he was totally against the temple and he even shut the doors of the temple um i don't know whether it's recorded here in this passage but he did not um he did not yeah he shut the doors uh, 28 and verse 24 yeah he did all the abominations possible and he provoked the lord to anger in verse 25 it says so he's he's a man who shut the doors can you believe that he he knew what his father was he knew how jotham was and in spite of jotham walking with the lord jotham never bothered about his son's spiritual life and here we see ahas living his own lifestyle he closed the doors he had no altar at all but here hezekiah is amazing to see that the first thing he did when he became king was to open the doors of the temple if that's the first thing that we are going to pay attention to in our lives our lives will be blessed yes if our options if our priorities are about our everything else other than god then you know we are as much as shutting the doors of the temple but if the first thing that we going to do is open the doors of the temple uh, we are going to be blessed and that's what happened in hezekiah's time he called for repentance Verse 6 says our fathers were unfaithful they did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and and forsook him they turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him they also shut the doors of the portico put out the lamps they did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel 
this was the condition of the previous generation so he wants to correct it and he says he calls everybody and he says he calls the levites first because the levites were if the temple doors are shut then where's the there's no need for the levites so now he gathers them verse 12 says then these levites set to work there's a list of the levites was from verse 12 onwards 12 to 14 and now first the levites came in and they consecrated themselves and you know what they did they cleaned up the temple the temple was full of uh you know it accumulated dust and it was all kind of all kinds of unclean things were there see in verse 16 the priests went into the sanctuary of the lord to purify it they brought out to the courtyard of the temple everything unclean that they found in the temple of the lord the levites took it and carried it out to the kidron valley they began the consecration of the on the first day of the first month and by the eighth day of the month they reached the portico of the lord and for eight more days they consecrated the temple of the lord itself finishing on the 16th day of the first month so if the temple is shut and the temple is unclean and all kinds of you know filth is there how will people come and worship the lord how will people how will the people of israel and judah come and worship the lord if the temple is shut and unclean so this is the first thing he did he opens the doors and he sends the levites he calls the levites gathers them they all go inside and they began cleaning the temple first so when they began cleaning they made the temple ready for sacrifice and now uh, in verse 20 onwards up to 20 24 they bring the uh, offerings all the offering the sin offerings because first they need to uh, cleanse the altar they have to cleanse the levites and only then they can begin the worship so he 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 prescribed what david did in verse uh, 25 we read uh, because they had uh, they had the rules of the temple rules and regulations for the temple and he began to you know bring back all of them and and everything was ready uh, verse 26 says so the levites stood ready with david's instruments and the priests with their trumpets so see the condition before and when ezekiel has taken over he begins to completely revamp everything he's, he's changing everything he's removing all the dirt he's calling the levites back into the temple and now they are ready for the sacrifice so this applies to us every one of us as well if our altar is dead and buried and it's shut down it's time to open the doors it's time to first open the door of our heart so that's where it all begins it begins with you and me it doesn't begin with somebody else it doesn't begin with our mom or dad or brothers or sisters it begins to begins with us we have to take the initiative see ezekiel's father was totally opposite of him but he didn't worry about it but he initiated it the first thing that he did was to open the doors of the temple if we are ready to open the door of our hearts for jesus for him to come and of course we are all believers baptized and all that but still if there is uncleanness inside if there is anything that needs to be that we need to get rid of that's what jacob did he called all his household and got it of everything that was foreign there are foreign things foreign means things which are not found in the word of god anything that is not in the word of god is foreign to us if we we have some foreign things let's get rid of it clean the temple make it ready for worship and then you begin to worship and they begin they began to worship so uh, verse uh, 35 end of 35 so the service of the temple of the lord was reestablished amen so this is an amazing phase in the life of king hezekiah he reestablished the service of the temple we ourselves are the temple of the living god if we have not kept the altar burning if we had put out the fire if we have gone away from god it's time to reestablish the service in the temple of the lord that is we ourselves our bodies are the temple of the living god once we reestablish this you know what is going to happen see verse 30 and verse 
chapter 13, verse 1. Yes. But who is Hezekiah? Hezekiah is the king of Judah. Hezekiah is the king of Judah. Now at this point of time, Israelites were enemies to Judah. And we don't know where Ephraim and Manasseh were. But he sent word. Once his altar was ready for worship, he sent word to everybody around him. He sent word to Israel, to Judah, his own countrymen. He also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh. He wrote letters. And they were sent by couriers. We thought couriers, uh, what is that, professional couriers and all existed only in this century. But they had couriers then. Second Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 10. <coughs> yes so there were there will be people who reject this but that's okay we are not bothered about people who don't accept that but you know the couriers went they sent mails they sent whatsapp messages they contacted everybody different groups facebook twitter they had everything and see amazingly all of them gathered, a very large crowd gathered, verse 13. A very large crowd of people assembled in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month. So this is what, going, is what going, is going to happen. If we open our heart to God and if we begin, begin to call upon God, if our altar is ready, then our family altar will be ready. When our family altar is ready, when we come here, the church altar is going to be ready. And when this is ready, we are going to have large crowds of people. So it begins with our own heart, our own individual altars. When our altar is ready, but if it's not ready on the other hand, if our door is shut, where are going to, the people going to come from? Where is the large crowd of people going to come from? They are not going to come. They're going to be scattered. And that's how it was during the period of Ahaz, Ezekiah's father. A very large crowd of people assembled in Jerusalem. If we want to see a large crowd of people assembling to worship God, we need to keep our altar ready. Without which it's not going to happen. And they came and they rejoiced. We don't have time to go into all the details. I'll give you a few verses. Hezekiah prayed for them. And some of them, the crowd was too big that they couldn't have the ceremonial cleansing. All of them couldn't have the ceremonial cleansing. Uh, 17. Somebody can read from 17 to 20. Yes, see, even the ceremonial cleansing was bypassed and God was not, you know, very, you know, legalistic with them. He, there was grace operating in this place, even in the Old Testament. So God said, everybody come, whoever is seeking me, I'm going to heal them. And that's what happened. And the king prayed, king is doing ministry here. Can you believe that? Can you imagine Narendra Modi praying <laughs> for the people? <laughs> but if we can pray, if we can do that, if we can get our altars to be burning and if we can get our family altars to be burning, uh, people are going to come. Even the king is going to be praying. Yes. Yes. 
and the lord heard ezekiah and healed the people and see finally a great number of people had assembled verse 25 chapter 13 verse 25 to 27 Yes. Amen. So this is what is going to happen when we start to react to God's instructions and we start to seek him and he's going to be found by us. He's going to hear our prayers. He's going to bring a large crowd of people and we are all going to rejoice together. And God heard them and their prayer was answered. So we the New Testament Israel. Now we talked about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Where is Jacob now? Where is Jacob? Who is Jacob now? Jacob is Israel. And Israel is there even today. What God promised to Abraham about his offspring, they are still there. In 1948, Israel was formed. We Jacob is still there. You might be thinking Jacob has gone to heaven. But his descendants are there. Israel is still existing. And we are the spiritual Israels, Israelites. The spiritual Israel. who still call upon the name of the lord shall we just uh, close as we sing this uh, uh, chorus lord prepare me to be a sanctuary let's ask the lord this morning lord i want to be a sanctuary for you i want to be an altar where you will speak to me and i will speak to you when we begin a close personal walk with god we open the door of our heart and we begin to cry out to god and ask him lord i want to be lord close to you i want to hear from you i want to get dreams from you abraham had a close walk with god and god spoke to him very clearly very specifically god spoke to isaac god spoke to jacob jacob had visions he had dreams in the night he saw the stairway leading to heaven he saw the gate of heaven angels ascending and descending and when he was going to meet meet Esau he had the angels of god meet with him he struggled with god for a whole night he was in the presence of god and here we saw but hezekiah who opened the doors of the temple the bible says that we are the temple of the living god if we will open our hearts to him and tell the lord i want to have a close walk with you i know your promises are there for me but in spite of all the challenges the barrenness the famine the threats and the fears i'm still going to follow you i'm still going to seek your face i'm going to hear from you and your promises will never fail prepare me lord jesus prepare us lord this morning prepare every one of us lord jesus